Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. amen. Understanding will come to you again today in Jesus' name. Amen. That word has come into your heart today will lift you to another level. Amen. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. Alright, let's open our Bibles. We'll start again from the ones we have been reading again and again. And then we'll add some more to it. Once again, let's go to the book of Revelations. The revelation that God gave to John. Alright. Chapter 17. Let's just start again from um, verse 12. It's just verse 14 we want, but 12 gives us some context. He said, these have one purpose. It was referring to the ten horns, which are ten kings. And who give, you know, and he said they, they receive authority of, as kings with the beast for one hour. He said, these have one purpose. What's that purpose? They give their power and authority to the beast. Now, in serving the purpose of the beast, that's how you give your power and authority to him. These will wage war against the lamb. And the Lamb will overcome them because He is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And those who are with Him are the called and chosen and faithful. Please notice that again. They are the called and chosen and faithful. Those are the ones that are with Him. Again, what that means in this context these are not the ones who have, who are claiming to be Christians alone. These are not the ones that have come to the Lamb for the redemption of their sins alone. These are not the ones that have come for healing and for progress, for breakthrough and for various kinds of answers. These are the ones that have enlisted themselves as warriors of the Lord. These are people who have seen their lives as, you know, as being warriors instruments of war, soldiers of Christ. They see that when they were given life to, it was so that they could go into battle. These are people who have considered that they are living not for themselves, but for the pleasure of the Lamb. These are people who are not following the Lamb for what they are going to get out of Him, but for what service they can be to Him. These are not people who come to church looking for miracles. These are people who come to church looking for service. These are people who see that except the pleasure of God prospers by their hands, those things will never be done. Those are the people we are talking about here. And like I said last time, I've said many times before, that these are very scarce people. These are not people that are easy to find. These are uncommon Christians. Now, notice that. They are uncommon Christians. Please bear this in mind. Now, let's read again from the book of Job. I'm just talking about faithfulness again, which was what we discussed last time. Last time we talked about the key to faithfulness. How John the Baptist was baptizing without promising healing. John the Baptist was baptizing without promising no prosperity. John the Baptist came with one baptism for the remission of sins. That is, he came for baptizing a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He was warning people to flee from the judgment about to come. That was the only thing he seemed to have promised deliverance from judgment to come. John the Baptist was not promising healing. I'm not aware 
that the man was even conscious of, of healing. Because when Jesus was healing and they went to him, he sent a message and said, are you the one to come or we are to expect another? Because the only thing that John the Baptist preached was that there would be deliverance. You understand? And the way he understood, the limit of his understanding about deliverance was deliverance from oppression. Okay? So when Jesus came, and so when he saw Jesus, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the whole world. He was excited that deliverance has, has finally come. He was excited that God would not liberate his people. Don't forget, his former disciples became the disciples of Jesus. People like um, uh, Peter and John and co. They were disciples of um, John. And you remember that Peter was the one that, you know, he showed to Peter and co. This is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the whole world. And they left following him and they began to follow Jesus. And these are the same people who said at the end, will you at this time restore the kingdom back to Israel? And now when they said that, you see, they were being trained, and part of their training was from John the Baptist. So they were expecting deliverance of the nation of Israel. They were expecting deliverance. That's what they were expecting from oppression. Yet when Jesus came, what was he doing? Healing the sick, raising the dead. Ah, and he was preaching and preaching and preaching. So John said to him, are you the one to come? Or we should expect another one. Because this is what you are doing is not what I expected. Please bear that in mind. So John the Baptist, therefore, did not preach that healing will come. John the Baptist, therefore, did not preach that prosperity will come. He did not preach that there will be raising of the dead. Yet people followed him. Why? He was baptizing for the remission of their sins, for the forgiveness of their sins. He was baptizing and energizing people for repentance. That was what John the Baptist was doing. Don't ever forget that. Yet, this is a principle. The Bible says that the Pharisees and the scribes, they frustrated the counsel of God for their lives, not having been baptized by John. But the scribes and, sorry, the commoners, the publicans, and the common people, they rejoiced. Why? Because they had been baptized by John. Now, I'm not going to bring out something here. The baptism of John, okay? That's what I'm going to bring out here. The baptism of John was what prepared the people for the miracles that Jesus did, even though they did not know those miracles were going to happen. That was why Jesus said to us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and every other thing will be added to you. Don't forget it. Seek first the kingdom of God. Now, this is the problem of this age. In Christianity, I'm talking about now. The problem is this. We say, seek, seek the blessing, and the righteousness will be added to you. So people come to church and they are doing righteousness for the sake of the blessing. And that, I say to you again, is a major problem. That, I say to you again, is a major problem. Job, I want us to understand something. Except we get this right, what Jesus paid for will not be manifested. For a long time, many of us may not have, may not have understood why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, or what that thing means. I will tell you, what it means is that it is not those who are looking for prosperity that will find it. No. It's those who are looking for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And if you look for, if you don't look for the right thing that is the kingdom of God and you find that prosperity, as a Christian, you will not be blessed by it. You will not be blessed by it. If you struggle with your own strength and your energy, Okay, to enter into something that God did not by himself give to you, eventually you lose out entirely. 
The book of Job chapter 1. There was a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job, and that man was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. Seven sons and three daughters were born to him. His possessions also were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 5,000 female donkeys, and very many servants. And that man was the greatest of all the men of the East. He was a businessman. You don't have 500 yoke of oxen to be admiring them. Yoke, uh, oxen were for plowing. They were not for sale. Do you follow my point? So when the man has 500 yoke of oxen, they are telling you the extent of land he had to cultivate. So this man was a businessman. 500 female donkeys was for transportation. Dangoted cement. Are you getting my point? He was carrying things up and down. So I'm going to explain this man was a rich man. You know, before we want to calculate his wealth, we used to think how much do you sell 500 yoke of oxen? We forgot that these things were serving purposes. They did not tell us here how much land he had. That's why you have 500 yoke of oxen. That's the amount of land the man had to plow. The amount of land he had to put wheat on. Now, please, I'm trying to bring out something. He was a very wealthy man. So, that's the issue. Very, very wealthy. Successful materially. Now, the matter now came up. And there was a day when the sons of God, I'm in verse 6, came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? And he answered the Lord, from roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Please notice that. Fearing God and turning away from evil. This man was not sowing seeds for prosperity. He was just turning away from evil. Bear it in mind. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But put forth your hand now and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you to your face. I'm going to stop reading here, mainly because this is a story we all know, nothing new. I just felt like reading it for us to know about Job again. Nothing new. I will just refer to us the rest of the story. Now, a few days ago here, I taught briefly, as it were, about this book of Job, what Job was about. I referred to it the first time it was broken for me, and since then I've had insight into the things that happened with Job, and we explained that Job... The, that pastor preached to me that day was placed in the Bible to cure the backsliding of the saints forever. I explained it that day. I also explained that each person was, I was created to make a statement about God. Here, Job, his assignment was to make a statement that people could love God or people can love God for who he is. Now, what am I talking about today? I want to emphasize to us again that issue about Job. That Job was placed there as something for us to all look up to. It's crucial we get this point. Because in today's Christianity, faithfulness is uncommon. I said it last time. God cannot use unfaithful people. You know, there are people that God really uses. Let me just sidetrack, you know, go to, on the side a bit. Let me just go on the side for a bit, and then I'll go back to my main message. Everybody serves God's purpose. Did I hear an amen? amen. 
Even the thief is serving the purpose of God. Do you know that? Are you aware of that? Let's read it now. Sometimes you quote these things. People don't believe what you are saying. Let's see what Solomon said to us about that. Okay, Proverbs chapter 16. He said, The Lord has made everything for his own purpose, for his own purposes. I'm reading the New Living Translation. Even the wicked for a day of disaster. If you read that without looking at it closely, you think God prepared the wicked so he can bring them to disaster. No, that's not what he means. He said, the Lord has made everything to accommodate itself and contribute to its own end and his own purpose. Even the wicked are fitted for their role for the day of calamity and the day of evil. That's the Amplified Bible. That is, everybody has a role he plays in this life. Do you get my point here? These people, if they are wicked, God has left them for the day of destruction. So if God wants to take away somebody's property, he sends a thief, does not send a righteous man. Are you getting my point? So that's what it means. The day of judgment is a thief that God will send. He will not send a righteous man. Jesus will be betrayed. Amen? That's the truth. So who will he send? He wouldn't send John. He wouldn't send um, Peter. He wouldn't send Thomas. Thomas was one of the most faithful of the disciples. You know that. Thomas was the one that said he wants to die. Let's go and die with him. He said, let's go and raise Lazarus. The other one said, ah, are you not aware that they want to kill you? So Thomas said, let's go. Say he wants to die. Let's follow him so that they can kill all of us together. He was a very faithful disciple. So God couldn't send him. He couldn't send Nathaniel. Behold an Israelite, in, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deception, no guile, no shadiness, nothing. He wouldn't send him. Say, so what do we do? The Lord has made everything for a purpose. Even the evil man, the wicked man for the day of evil. Alright? So he sent Judas. How do you know the man was evil? From day one he was stealing. As soon as he entered the ministry, he, be, he began to steal money. Everybody was going around preaching. He was completing his house in the village. And Jesus knew. The day the biggest offering came, the lady who brought a massive offering one time, what did she do? She broke the offering and poured it on Jesus. Judas said, Yegbeleo. Why didn't you just bring this thing? You sell it. You bring the money. That's when Jesus called it. John, come. John, come. Do you know why he said that? John said, no, Lord. He's a thief. <laughs> no, the truth. Many people were shout. Now, I, I know I'm always digressing. Hmm? Don't follow people. I'll tell you why. In a moment. Many people are shouting, the poor, the poor, the poor. They are lying. What did Judas say? You could have given this money to the poor. Jesus said, don't worry. He was, he was not concerned about the poor. He was concerned about what he would steal. Don't follow human beings when they are making noise. Some of these freedom fighters or these uh, civil rights activists are falling in society. You don't know what they are fighting for. Don't follow them. Don't follow them at all. Just do, do what is right. Judas shouted, poor, poor. You know what? He was not concerned about the poor. Many people are hearing shouting, restructuring, equity, all those things. They are not concerned about you and me. They are just angry that they've been in PDP for 16 years, nothing. They moved to APC, 8 years, nothing. So next thing they start shouting, restructure the country. Why? So that I can get my rightful political position. I know what I'm telling you. Let's get back to our message. That's just by the way. So Jesus, to be betrayed, God had to send Judas. That was the meaning of God made everything everything to fit a purpose. 
even if you are wicked, God will use you. I hope you are getting my point. So that you are being used by God is not a big deal. Anything will be used by God and everybody will be used by him. What he will use you for is now the story. Whether you will be rewarded. Jesus was betrayed by Judas, right? Was that a good thing or a bad thing? For us. For us. Was it good or bad? For the purpose of God, was it good or bad? But then why did they now say that it would have been better if he was not born? It was good for you. Good for me. It was the purpose of God that he would be betrayed. He said it himself. He said, but, ah, cursed is that man by whose hands he will be betrayed. He said, it would have been better that he was not born. So for Judas, it was a terrible experience. For many people used by God also, that's how it is. So whether you will be used by God is not the issue. Everybody will be used. But whether that use will be according to his purpose for your life and whether you will get a reward for it is now determined by how you personally behave. But what I'm saying is very, very important. Let's get that point very clear. I just wanted to drop that, by the way, because we see it all the time. People often don't get it. But what does God want from us? For us to be used for a good purpose. In every household, Paul taught us, there are vessels for honor, honorable use, and there are vessels for dishonorable use. If you want to be a vessel for honorable use, what do you do? You cleanse yourself of all defilement. That's it. Then you become one prepared for the master's, pardon me to add a word to it, for the master's good use. Because everybody will be used one way or the other. Let's go back to the matter of Job. In Job's case, God said, I have sent Job to describe a part of me. I want people who will describe a part of me. I want people who will be used to explain what God is really like. I want people that will fulfill the purpose for which I created them. Not the ones I am now using them for. I can assure you of something. God, if Judas had cleansed himself of all defilement, God would have used him for the real purpose that the Judas was created for. Not that one. He made himself available for what was evil. That was why God used him for that. But what we are preaching is that we believers must make sure that we are used for what God created us for. Like he said to Isaiah, who sh- in his hearing, who shall I send? Who will go for us? Isaiah said, here I am, send me. He said to Jeremiah, this was the reason why I gave you life. Before you were born, I knew you. While you were yet in your mother's womb, I consecrated you to be a prophet. Let me say it to you again. It does not mean Jeremiah must do it by force. Jeremiah could still have said no. And God will have found another ignoble use for him. I hope you're getting that point. Jeremiah had to consciously yield. If it will have happened automatically, the Lord would not have had a discussion with him. For God to discuss with Mary is because Mary could have said no. I don't know what I get my point. Mary could have said no, that's why the angel came. And each one of us in our lives must say yes deliberately. I'm going somewhere with all of this talk. Everybody must deliberately say yes. I said the last time I've seen it again, God is lacking in people. He has a problem finding enough people who will say yes deliberately. Secondly, who will say that yes and be persistent in yes. And third, 
who will increase the intensity of the years. Three things I say. One, those who will say, those who will say, yes. Two, those who will continually say, yes. And three, those who will increase the intensity of the years. These last two describe faithful people. Back to Job. So in Job's case, we know the story. It was important to God, that's why I'm bringing up the matter of Job, that Job be shown to be a man who is not serving God for what he's going to get. Job was tremendously blessed. God let that happen to lead him to this particular point. Job was blessed. Listen, no matter how well Job was blessed, except God demonstrates that Job is not serving me for the blessing I gave to him, Job is useless to him. I hope you're getting my point. To God, Job had to show, or it had to be demonstrated in the life of Job, that Job is not serving God for what he's getting. Please, I, you know, today, I was thinking, what do I preach? And I said, I'm going to preach what I've preached before. I will repeat it almost verbatim if I have to. Because it's so crucial. You see what I'm talking about in a moment. Now, let me just continue what I'm saying. It was, it's so important to God. I said there's a problem to this Christian. You know, I said it before. And what is that problem? We have preached and modified our doctrines to the extent that it's as if God is a good church is a place we go to go and collect. The best example of our erroneous doctrine is in the area of giving. Christians are taught to give so that they can receive. The unfortunate side is this. Many times you even challenge people and say, this is not so. They will twist scriptures to show you that it is so. And they start reading the scriptures wrongly. That when God gave his son, he did not get many sons back. And it will appear true if you are not of the discerning spirit. I say, wait, forget what he got back. Why is the question? I, the Lord, I search the reason why you are doing what you are doing. Why is the question? Did he do that? So that he can get many sons back, the answer is no. The Bible tells us why he did it. He says, so that they will not perish, but have eternal life. That was why he did it. If he got many sons back, it is because there is a law in the spirit. Whatsoever a God sows, that shall he also reap. He says, man, I'm just trying to adapt it here. So it's played in his favor. But why is important? We twist the scriptures. At the end of the day, we breed, this is what I'm talking, why I'm talking about it. At the end of the day, we breed Christians, listen to this, who are useless to God. In the true use now, you know, we say everybody will be used. In the true usefulness of people, we end up breeding Christians who are useless to Him. Anytime they are going to church, it is expect a miracle. You know, we had a program in Port Harcourt some time ago. One pastor came. You know, of course, you know we go to Portaco regularly. One of our programs. One pastor came. He looked and said, hmm. Now, the number of people there was not so, wasn't head shaking, you know, like, uh, I can't remember that day. Maybe it would be something between 150 in attendance, not up to 200. I don't think we were up to 200. So he said, Portaco, this is a crusade. He said, this is a crusade. Ah, this number of people got that. And you are not, you are not promising anything. He said, you came to teach the word, and this number of people gathered. He said, this is this landslide. He said, nobody gathers here, except you are killing witches. 
You often want breakthrough or the other. That you just, I forgot the topic for our program that particular. Of course, we just have teaching programs. Like the one we're doing in Oka next month is titled Preserving Your Life Through the Fear of God. That's the title. I'm not here to, you know, I told you I'm not a massage my back pastor. I said, what I'm saying that if you don't fear God, you will die. That's what. <laughs> no, if, if, how many of you have seen the poster? If you have not shared it yet, it's called Preserving Your Life Through the Fear of God. We didn't want your daddy in Oka. Lord, what do you think of my righteousness? We wanted to explain the righteousness of God. The one of the ones we did in Port at that time was called Faithful Stewards. How are Christians faithful? That's our topics. Real faith. Last one we did in Makode was true faith. What is true faith? So the brother said, ah, hey, you come, you come to Port with this kind of topic and you have this number of people. This is a big ministry. That is normally, nobody gathers around things like this. When Christians want to gather, it is emergency breakthrough. By the end of this night, poverty will be over. Now, this one I'm making. So we bred Christians who reason like that. And this is my prophetic message. The Lord is sad and is tired. He is sad and he's tired. He hates it. Notice what I said. He hates it when we gather to pray. And the prayer points are what we shall eat, what we shall drink, and with what shall we clothe ourselves. He hates it when Christians make decisions. And where I will be safe to prosper materially is what is in front of them. The Lord is saddened by it. Listen to me. He was excited when Solomon did not ask for anything apart from wisdom to do the will of God. That lets you know he would have been sad, even though he would have answered and given if Solomon had asked for material things. Please, this point is important. He took Job and blessed him materially and said, I want to make Job an example that people can serve God and not be concerned about the material blessing. Go and read the book of Job again. The temptation of Job was never Satan's idea. We look at this as if, as if the devil is our problem. No. The devil was not the problem of Job. It was God that called Satan's attention and said, Have you considered my servant Job? He knew how he would respond. He's called an accuser of the brethren. So he began to accuse Job. Please, my emphasis is not on, it's not on Job right now. Is if we had to change positions to this Christian. Ah. Have you considered my servant Job? Many people give these days. You know the doctrine of tithing we carry on our heads. Hmm? I'm not here to talk about whether it is right or wrong. Many of us like it because we are idolaters and we love our material possession. So we are afraid of Satan. So it is easy for me to get you to tithe. All I need to do is remind you of how you may lose your business or your children every day. You will tithe regularly. I don't know whether you are getting my point. That's all I need to do. I just say, listen. The devourer is coming. If you don't pay your protection money, div- you are dead. So, when we are giving it, you know, I told you, when adults are arguing, what they are arguing about is not what you are thinking of. Look, look, let's get this point clear. When adults are arguing, what you are arguing about, what they are arguing about, is not what looks obvious. If they are saying, did the Bible say this or didn't say this, that's what you are hearing. 
What they are really arguing about is how much will you remove from my pocket or add to it? You know, the, one of the scriptures I like from the book of Acts, I'm saying many things. This one is very important, you know? What's the name of that guy? Is, not, is it Demetrius? What's his name again? It's Demetrius now. Yes, that guy that, um, the coppersmith. Yes. In Acts chapter 19. Now, because it's not our main message, I just want to quickly refer to it. In Ephesus, Paul has been doing miracles, preaching the word of God. The ministry has been moving seriously under Paul. As a result of that, Acts chapter 19, verse 18, he said, Many also of those who had believed kept coming, confessing and disclosing their practices. And many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of everyone. They counted up the price of them, found it to be about 50,000 pieces of silver. That's millions of dollars in today's money. Now, verse 20 says, so the word of God was growing mightily and prevailing. Now, I want you to understand something here. About that time, there occurred no small disturbance concerning the way, that is the, the, the way of the Lord. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Artemis, was bringing, was bringing no little business to the people who made the, you know, the, the, the craftsmen, that is, the people who worked for him, to the craftsmen. This he gathered together with the workmen of similar trades and said, men, you know that our prosperity depends upon this business. I hope, I hope you're following that. Why were they gathering together to check, look out for their prosperity? You see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but also in all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a considerable number of people saying that the gods made with the hands are no gods at all. Now, you think he's fighting for God, for the gods. Not only is there danger that this trade of ours fall into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis be disregarded as worthless, and that she whom all of Asia and the world worship will even be dethroned from her magnificence. For time's sake, we'll stop reading. So a riot broke out to defend who? Artemis. But let me ask you, was the problem Artemis? What was the problem? Somebody's money. For time's sake, I'll just, I want to also follow, I want you to follow me some, follow me down somewhere. Verse 32. So, before that riot began, people began to make noise. Verse 29. The city was filled with confusion, and they rushed with one according to the theater, dragging Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions. Now, where I want you to understand is that verse 20. Where did I quote just now? 32. So then, some were shouting one thing and some another, for the assembly was in confusion, and the majority did not know for what reason they had come together. That's what I wanted to note. Majority did not know what was going on. I said to you earlier, be careful when you are following people. Again, I'm, I'm taking a lot of side trips. I just feel like giving you words of wisdom as I'm going on. Be careful when you are following people. When people argue over doctrine, that's why I went to all of this. Many times, it's not the accuracy. I have talked to pastors. It shocks me why they can't see what is clear in scriptures. Until I got this understanding, so I don't argue anymore. When you argue in doctrine, should we tie, should we not tie it? The issue is rarely the accuracy of the doctrine. The issue always is, how does it affect us? People have said to me before, if, if what you are saying is true, how will the church get money? And I always, I've always answered them, 
Is that the discussion? Is this a commandment of God? Or it is not? You have made it a commandment. Is it? So this is how to do this. Uh, no, these are arguments I've heard with people. I've had with people. At the end of the day, that's okay. All right. This is church position. This is the position of this church. I said, look at these people. And you call yourself a pastor. It's the position of the church you are discussing rather than the truth of the gospel of God. I'm going somewhere. Many of the Christians also who follow some doctrines, they are not following for the, because they've seen it from scriptures. They are following these doctrines because it fits their idolatrous mentality and it fits their desire for self-preservation. So when you say to them, these are people who are not faithful in anything, but they say, how do I bless the whole of the year? They say, give the first salary. They don't love God. They don't care about anything. They want to protect 11 months salary. I used to wonder, why does God tolerate all these false doctrines? I said, I've now understood why. He said, the people that it's working on like it like that. They are afraid of freedom. They are afraid of freedom. Because freedom puts a lot of responsibility upon you. Freedom. Freedom puts a lot of responsibility on people. When we are not serving like Job, you know, it's Job that we're talking about. Many people, what they are looking for, which is, I'm I'm talking about, we switching positions with Job. Many people, that's the issue. God has blessed Job. Look at the amount of money and businesses Job had. I told you before, don't look at the yoke of um, the, the number of donkeys as animals counting one by one. You are talking about peace mass transit. I don't know whether you are getting my point here. It's not the buses. It's the number of people. It's a transportation business they are describing for you that Job had. When you had 500 uh, yoke of oxen, it's not the oxen. It's the land they farmed that that is describing. If Job had only one hectare, one yoke of oxen could do the job. Why did he need 500? I hope you're getting my point here. God has blessed Job. What many Christians do, that's why I went to all of that, is how do I protect that which God has given me? So somebody will come and say, raise an altar in the corner of your house. They will raise the altar. Somebody will come and say to them, pay a tithe, they will pay a tithe. Every time they will bring new formulae for self-preservation. And those things prosper amongst believers because they are not faithful Christians. They are self-preserving Christians. Judging Christianity is very difficult. That's individuals. You don't know why people are doing what they are doing. There are those who are spending money building churches all the time. And pastors say, this guy is faithful. <laughs> Some are doing it for a breakthrough they are expecting. Some are doing it to cleanse their sins. Two of them, evil reasons. So this man loves the Lord. He has built three churches by himself. You think you are going to the same heaven? I've heard pastors say it. You know when I hear it, eh? I feel like packing my bag and walking out. How can you be a preacher and some things come out from your mouth? So he built houses. So for that reason, we are not going to the same heaven again. His heaven is not superior to my own. When you don't know the reason why he's doing what he's doing. Two reasons. Evil reasons people do such things. There's a good reason. All right. We're not discussing that. I just want to bring out the evil ones. One, many are looking for preservation. Look at the extent of business. How do we ensure? And of course, it's easy to scare them. Just warn them about the devourer. 
So you make a demand on their income all the time. They are not giving to you. They don't care about you. They don't care about God. All they care about is preserve for me that which you have given me already. What will they cost? You just want 10%? You're a good God. I want to say you're a good God. What they mean is that you are not expensive. It's a good deal. And you will bring more. Listen, if you are reasoning like this, that's my message for today. Part of it, okay? If you are reasoning like this, you are not yet serving God. You are serving yourself. You are serving mammon. Please get the point. You are serving yourself and you are serving mammon. Please, I will say it one more time. I don't care the number of churches you have built or the number of offerings you have given. If what will God give me back? How will I protect that which he has given me? Is the reason why you did it, you have not served God yet. You have not learned how to serve God. You've been serving yourself and serving mammon. Matter of fact. Some others, they do that for the simple reason of paying for their sins. You see a thief building churches. Anytime churches, and you know sometimes we churches are very interesting people. We know them. We know the rogues. So when we want to raise money, we call them. We know their conscience will not let them raise. They will give. I will not, that's another thing. You, you may be surprised, but this is a matter of fact. And we will not preach the truth. Because if we preach the truth, they will stop giving. Because if we preach the truth, they can't pay for their sins. They know. They can't pay to free their conscience. You will tell them that. And that one, it will hurt our bottom line, like we say. So we won't preach the truth. Listen to me. If you have given and working hard, wherever you are listening to this one from, to pay for your sins, you have not saved God yet. All your offerings don't count. Each time you give, God is angrier than before. Now, that's not a joke. Every new offering is an addition to your iniquity. That's on level 1 to 10. Before you on level 3. Each time you add an offering, 0.5 is added. Very soon you are going to get to level 10 and then God will not punish you suddenly. How am I preaching this one today? It's good. People should carry it. I, I think it's not for just for here. I want it to be to be spread abroad. Each time a sinner gives, because of his sin, he's sinning some more. Each time he helps the poor, because of his sin, his sin is worse than before. His judgment has increased. What I'm saying is making sense to all of us. What is he supposed to do? Confess your sins, repent. Then we take it from there. You can't pay. You can't pay. And if you have been forgiven and you have accepted forgiveness, there are some people like that. Just like Satan now wants to be deceiving them. That they have not totally been forgiven. You know, the first set I talked about are thieves that don't want to. The cost of repentance is high. You know what they call it? Cost of repentance. It's too high. So they are donating and donating and donating. That one's they are still in iniquity. But there are some they are no longer in iniquity. They have been freed. But Satan is still bugging them. Their conscience will rise once in a while to talk to them. So to kill the voice of the conscience, they start doing the opposite of what they did before. This is what I mean. A man said he used to be a pimp. You know what the pimp is? He used to do racketing, prostitution and all of that. Guarding prostitutes and all of that. Now that he's born again, he's not trying to rescue girls from prostitution. Are you getting my point? Tell anybody you know like that that he has started another set of iniquity. Yes. 
You see somebody who was into trafficking. Now that he's given his life to Christ, he's now on the Mediterranean trying to fish for those who fell into the water. Why? His conscience is not letting him rest. Now, take this news to such people. You have started another set of iniquities. Even though what you are doing appears right and otherwise would have been good, but because you are using it without realizing it to pay for your former sins, you are now insulting Jesus on a daily basis. Yes. Let's make it simple. Assuming you came to me and every day you are in one man's house, you are clearing the, no, or you are in the gate begging, wait, please, oh, maybe the man arrested your wife and your children, no, you know? Held them hostage. Why? Because you are owing 10 million naira. Then one morning, you are about to go to his house to go and beg again. I said, no, your wife and children are back home. I paid the man the 10 million. In fact, I had half a million because I, in case he's saying there's some interest accruing things we don't know. Let's just be sure. So I called him and I said, I have paid. And you're on the phone, you say to me, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Hmm? I hope you have learned my point. Then next day, I come to your house. I'm just passing by. I say, ah, where's Mr. Ajale Koko? The nurse says he's not at home, sir. Where did he go? He went to Chief uh, Okori Koko's house. The man that imprisoned, that detained his wife and children for some months before you delivered him. Ah, what is he doing there? He's clearing the grass in front of his house. Why? He said he doesn't want to take chances so that he loves his wife and children so much, he doesn't want them to be retaken captive because of any debt. So he's there sweeping and clearing grass and digging up the gutter and all of that. They are asked, did he borrow money again? He said, no, sir. He didn't borrow money. Is that same 10 million that I was owing? That's why he has still gone back there. Now think about it. You and I were human beings. If you were the one that paid the 10 million, what would be the thought that would come through your mind? You ask yourself, is he stupid? That is one. Number two, he does not believe me. That's what's come through your mind. He doesn't believe me when I said I paid. So you're going to go back to him and like, what is wrong with you? And he looks at you and says, come on, let us go. Ah, he said, I can't go. You know, once a debtor, always a debtor. Can you see the way it is? That is how it is with Christians who are still doing the opposite of the iniquity they used to do as a way of paying off for those days. And listen, the worst thing you can say to the Lord, listen to this, the worst thing you can say to the Lord, or you can do, that's a better way, the worst thing you can do to the Lord is to tell him he does not know what he's saying. You can insult God different ways. The worst of insults is for you to call him a liar. I've told this testimony, well, this testimony Ken Hagen shared in one of his materials on some of his messages again and again. And it's beautiful to let you know how God takes it. Listen to this. The Lord appeared to him sometime before that and said, this is how you will use the anointing I have given you to minister to the sick. You, among the things you will do, you will place your hands on the two sides of the person's body. If a fire jumps from one hand to the other, you will feel it. Fire leap from one hand into your other hand. He said, that is a sign for you to know. An evil spirit is inside that man's body causing that sickness. So you will stop ministering daddy to the sickness. You will 
cast out the evil spirit. Is any time you tell the evil spirit to come out in my name, it will go. And that was guaranteed. Fine. Then one day was ministering. One man had his, he had tuberculosis of the spine and, um, his back was stiff. And he placed a hand to minister to him. And then suddenly he felt fire jump. Ah, he said, this is a case of demonic oppression. So he turned to the demon and said, come out in the name of Jesus. I told the man, check whether you're okay now. The man checked nothing. Ah, uh-uh. he put his hand. Fire jumped again. He cast out the demon. Told the man, check. The man checked nothing. Ah, uh-uh. he put his hand a third time. The same thing occurred. He prayed the same thing. He said he got confused and told the man, please go and sit down. So he went ahead playing for other people. Then suddenly the same vision of the Lord that I had years before or some time before appeared to him again. And this time the Lord said only one thing to him. Only him saw him. So the Lord said, I said it will go. Now, this is why I'm, t- I'm telling you the story. You don't tell God, doesn't know what he said. He said, I said it will go. And you know what he said? But Lord, you see, it did not. He said, I've seen him many times. i never seen him angry. His eyes turned to flames of fire. He said, I've told him before, what does the Lord look like? Say, I can't describe him. He said, but one thing you look into his eyes, they look like, you know, oceans of love, like depths of love without a boundary. He said, this time around, it turned to flames. And all he said is, I said it will go. And he said to the Lord, but you saw it now. It didn't go. And then the vision ended. The Lord didn't give him any explanation, nothing. Then he got really confused. And the Holy Spirit so present. Must have nudged him. And said, oh boy, he said it will go. It went. So he called the man back. He went through the rounds again. This time when I told the demon, come out in the name of Jesus. He said, now you are healed. Touch your toes. He didn't argue with my check. He just said, now you are healed. Touch your toes. The man bent. His back was free entirely in an instant. Don't tell God he doesn't know what he said. So if he tells somebody, I have forgiven you, if you try and pay for that sin, he will punish you. That's not a joke. If he tells you, I have forgiven you, if you say, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive. And you confessed, and the word said he forgave, and you try to pay for the sins. You know, those days, you know, we used to sing in the world. We used to jump from one club to the other. Those days, we were musicians and teaching young people how to do immorality. But now, enter the call to sing in church. I just want to sing where you are. I want to worship God now. For every, I, I, total, I, total, I did like 2,000 hours of jams. And I've told the Lord, I'm going to do 2,000 hours of praise worship. You will die in the 21st hour. Insult. Big insult. Who are you trying to insult? You don't even know the depth of your sin. You just know what you did. You don't know what you cost. That's the reason why I get angry. Say, so look, are you trying to pay for sins? You know what they cost sin? You think sin is, is an act? <laughs> sin is an unleashing of a spiritual force. Every time a man sins, commits iniquity, do you know what you have done to the moon? You sin in a corner on the earth. Yet, Jupiter is not balanced again. And you don't know. It's like a little boy. He goes to a filling station when they are selling fuel. 
he lights a match and throws it into the nozzle. What did he commit? The throwing of a flame into the nozzle. And he runs away. He didn't know when the place exploded. When the underground tanks began to blow. When one gas pipe there blew open. And because it has happened before. And down the street, he didn't know there was um, gas piping down the street. The whole street caught fire. 50 people died. 70 houses burnt. They now go around and say, I want to pay for your sins. You are blowing out matches. <laughs> and now you see a match, you blow it out. <laughs> so why are you blowing out match? Say, you know, we used to throw away matches those days. But now, so you, you, are not, you now have a mental match problem. Are you getting my Everywhere you go. <laughs> you go bed days, not concerned. You see candle. <laughs> you blow. <laughs> that is precisely <laughs> what we do when we are trying to pay for our sins. Because what you know is the act. You don't know the spiritual impact of what happened. You sin on the earth, two galaxies collide. And you don't realize it all. They fuse because of your iniquity. What I said is not a joke. Adam sinned, the heavens were touched. They blocked your Jesus. You didn't blow yourself only came to, cook, to cleanse your sins. That's not all. Part of what Jesus died for was to rearrange the galaxies. Put them in their right places because the iniquity of man affects them. You now want to do two righteous works and say you are paid for sin. Jesus said, but shut up. You don't know what they call paying for sin. If it was that easy, you think I'd like to die? You don't know it's cheaper to have all of you do the opposite of what you did. For me to go to the cross. You know the blood that was shed? Let's not even go near that one. So he feels thoroughly insulted. When somebody is doing good works because of the sins they committed in the past. So it's either accept forgiveness or don't accept it. If you accept it and still try to pay, I now punish you on top of it. Because every act of attempted paying for sin is another sin in itself. That's how Christianity is. So people do good works for two reasons. We're trying to say they want to preserve the blessing. They want to get more blessing. Now sometimes they just want to pay all of them evil. So God took Job. So let's put Job here. Let's take away all that he has. So even the good works he did, if he thought that was why he came, it, those things came, he would get tired of good works. If that was all the reasons he did good works. I heard a story once, and I've used it to preach a number of times. One young woman has been following God for a while, looking for a blessing, everything, including husband. And one day she gave God a date. And told her friends, I have given God till December. If by December he doesn't manifest all the things we have asked for. And you must understand, when the modern day Christian is saying she asked God for something, she knows what she means. Seed has gone in. It's not just asking by mouth now. How can you ask God by mouth? She has cleared her account once or twice. She has joined in buying pastor a car. They've told us, pastor is driving to the horizon. Your blessing will be going. <laughs> They've told her that now. As this building is going up, your, ha- your life is going up. You've heard those, those things before. I hope in all of them, lies. They are Pentecostal scams. When somebody gives a testimony, they say, connect with this testimony with your offering. What are you connecting with? Well, don't be, I'm sure you are not amazed that I'm not very popular in many circles. 
because of things like this. But we are popular, I'm seriously popular. <laughs> Rubbish. So she's done all of those things she has. No, you know now. Uh-uh. You two have been there. Remember the story of the young woman? Okay, she stood here that day, right here. After I finished preaching, went to ask me something. When she was serving NYC, she said she gave out every single cupboard she was paid. He said, Pastor, I suffered. That she lost weight. Fine girl like this, she was thin. And that she was done. That one day somebody sent her money, was her bed. He said, ah, thank God though, she will manage this one. 20,000 naira. So then she went to church. Then pastor said, except it pays you. He said, oh God, man, I, 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 I mean, this 20,000 naira removing my pain. So I had to go back into pain. So I put the money. <laughs> like I say, always say, I have no problem with you giving anything. We've given offerings before too. Are you getting my point? Is why that's the issue. So I asked the young woman, I said, why did you do that? She said, they told us that's how to prosper. I said, God has answered your prayers. Your seed has germinated. I am the fruit that God... <laughs> yes, I told her that day. I said, that is just like Peter was sent to Cornelius. Are you getting my point? To show him that almsgiving does not bring salvation. I said, in the same manner, God has sent me to tell you that that's not how to prosper. I said, don't feel bad. You have learned your lesson. Now sit down here and hear the word. That's the issue. So when that young woman said that she's giving God till December, she knows what has gone down. God, you've collected how, many, how much of my salary? Four years we've been on this project. There's no month I didn't say to you. Even when the pastor came and said, it's the whole tithe. Even if they give you a lift, you will calculate the cost of taxi and pay 10%. You did everything. As at now, you've not brought the husband. I'm giving you till December. And by December, if you don't move, I move. <laughs> you know what she said? If by December God doesn't do something, I'll just go and get pregnant anyhow. Precisely what she did. You know, I've said all the time, God is faithful. All that while, God was seeing the non-Job heart, the faithless heart. That meanwhile, if you saw such people, choir, they will be there. Pastor will say, How can I find a faithful woman like this anywhere else on this earth? These are the faithful children of God. God is looking, mm. Don't worry, they have given me to December. You are here talking faithfulness. <laughs> talking faithfulness. <laughs> Listen, God lifted Job and said, I need to show to people that this is not how it works. One, they don't do their good works because they're trying to secure anything. And two, it's not the way by which they pay for their sins. They just accept forgiveness and they let it go. And this is another discipline. You know? Sometimes you have to wake up at night and say to Satan, I have been forgiven. All things have passed away. Behold, the things have become new. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. It's a discipline you have to learn. It's a discipline you have to learn that my conscience, you can't condemn me. 
Sometimes if Satan brings all the stories of your past sins to you, you wake up and say, so what are you going to do about it? He said, tell that one to Jesus. You want to tell me stories? Wait here. Dear Lord, good morning, sir. There's one guy here who wants to tell you stories. Say, tell it to him. If you survive it, see me tomorrow. When is I say, I don't want to hear. Why? Because I'm forgiven. Mm-hmm. There are times you will refuse. Listen, you will deliberately refuse. They say, begin to pray. Cry before the Lord. You say, ha, 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 I want to laugh. I'm not praying today. Well, I want to sleep. Because this is your prayer. You are using guilt to push me. And I will not follow. There are times, yes. You know, I've said it before. There are Christians that God says, three months, I don't want you to give an offering. Do you know there are times like that? In fact, there are some people, they are always more than three months. God says one year. Any money you eat, you get, eat it before evening. You're only allowed to give money to things that directly depend on you. Maybe like your mother, your father, your children. But anything that looks like offering, I don't want to see from your hand for three months, six months. You say, why, pastor? <laughs> God says, I need to win this one of thinking blessings are bought. Somebody who has spent 10 years trying to pay me for all the blessings in his life. I need to win him or her. I know what God will not do for such people. At the end of six months, they will have prospered more than ever before. They will have seen the kind of favors they have never seen. Then when God now says, okay, now let's start giving again. This time around, they will give with no strings attached. He said, why are you giving? He said, why were we giving in the first place? That is, why are you giving? The answer was, why were we giving? In the first place. We were given so we can give. So this time around, it's not, it's not a matter of we are paying anybody. It's more of, ah, what else will we do? It is his faithfulness that we are enjoying. His abundance. So let's share his goodness. We've been blessed to be a blessing. Such people don't remember what they have given, where they gave it. They are just constantly sowing seeds of good works. They're not thinking of themselves. That is when the spirit of Job has not entered into them. That's what we're talking about. And listen to me, until we get to that level in every ramification, we are useless to the Lord. Useless. He can't use us. Many people, they are singing in his choir. And as they are, as they are singing, heaven is shutting window. Close that window. Close that window. I just want to be where you are. Do you know where I am? Close the window. <laughs> Close the window. Why? Because this praise is not pure. Impure praise. Praise that is being given before they ask. Are you getting my point? Let's praise God. <clears throat> we have prayer point for today. Let's praise the Lord. As they are praising God. God just turns around and says, Nathan, I ever say, where you do? Sing something for me there. And God is not listening to them. And he tells Gabriel, when they start making their request, let me know about it. Because this is their prayer, this is their praise. It's shallow. It's empty. There's no, there's no, there's no love in it. Nothing. There are many people like that. I'm telling you the truth. You know, have you ever asked yourself, why Paul, Cast out a demon that was helping him. It's like he organized a program for me to come and preach. People have gathered. There are like 2,000 of them. 
And a man comes up before they call me and says, Please, can I have the microphone? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, everybody. I want you to know. Pastor Banky is anointed. I want you to know everything he's saying to you today is true. Believe him. Every word he speaks is the word of God. And he draws the microphone and goes to sit down. Naturally speaking, would that, would that not be a good thing? That was what happened now. And one young girl with a familiar spirit. We said, these are the servants of the living God. They've come to show us the way of salvation. Does that not make sense? What, first, what she was saying, was it factually correct? Answer me. So why on earth will Paul be angry and cast out the demon? Have you ever thought about that? Jesus gave us the answer long ago anyway. Jesus said that the letter means nothing. It is the spirit that matters. I'm not talking about demons now, or Paul and that girl. I'm talking about church people. So it's not the work alone that God is checking. The spirit can be bad, even though the work looks good. That's what I'm explaining. A lady, a young woman came and was doing what, I mean, that sounded good now. That sounded good. And nothing before Paul. Oh, servants of the living God. Believe them. People have tried to explain many reasons why Paul was angry, but this is the summary of it. Jesus said it himself before. Forget the letters. It is the spirit. Her words were accurate, but her spirit was wrong. Now, from experience, I can tell you what she was doing. Anytime she spoke, she deadened the ears of the people. They became confused. So when Paul wants to speak, normally people instantly start connecting and recognizing what Paul is talking about. But when this girl will get up to speak, for the next few minutes, they are confused. So they start having thoughts in their minds. People were paying attention to Paul before. They remember their house. They didn't close the window. Her statement, every time you open your mouth, you are releasing a spirit. So when she opens her mouth, even though the letters are accurate, the spirit is what matters. Jesus says, the word that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. That is, they, are, they, are, they carry a spiritual force that imparts life into everywhere they get to. In the same manner, this girl will open her mouth and speak. Because she's saying something positive about Paul, everybody opens their ears. Then she sends her, her evil spirit, all the ears are dead. Ah, Paul wants to minister. What's going on? Why? Last time I was in this place, it wasn't like that. What is going on? The Holy Spirit said, look at her. She spoke before you. She did it yesterday. Did it day before yesterday. Paul said, what? You come here. In Jesus' name, stop talking. Cast out that evil spirit. Now, that's why you just don't understand what happened. But, back to what I'm trying to say. You can do what is right and the spirit is wrong. And negatively, you are affecting the progress of the church of God. That's why people can give offerings. And their offerings, especially when recognized, especially... They deaden the work they are giving to. So before one of my sisters, a member of a particular church, a man came to church and announced, pastor was raising money for the church. They wanted to finish their church in a hurry. He said he would give six million naira. Ah, my sister called him and said, please, my dear brother, we all know you, you work for the, for the ministry. You are a state civil servant. Where are you getting six million naira from? I'm not saying it is evil. I just want to know where you are getting it from. What business are you now doing? What favor did God give you? Or which money are you now stealing? Let me add my own words to it. The man, instead of answering the question that was asked honestly, he went to go and report to church that this sister is harassing me because I placed six million on Sunday. And the foolish pastor got angry. He got really angry and came and challenged her. How she's, you know, disturbing the progress of the church. 
So she apologized and kept quiet. And the man brought the six million naira and paid it. And they used it. And the church kept on growing. And one particular day, after everybody had left church, small rain, or no rain at all, or small drizzle, and the main pillar of the church collapsed. There was no earthquake. Oh. One angel just went there. Angels, don't try them. One angel just gave the building one kick. The whole thing came crumbling down. She didn't, she didn't, you, know, you know, there are times you don't need to say, I told you. But if not me, I will go and preach. I'm joking, though, but I can just imagine if I had a body, I come and preach. The dangers of bad money. Let's thank the Lord that that building did not collapse on anybody. That's God warning us. Next time you steal money and bring it to this church, thunder fire you. At that point, the pastor won't talk again. So we can do what is right, and the spirit is wrong. And the spirit is more important. First to God, and in in the overall progress of everything. Than what exactly was done. Many years ago, I used to preach. You know, I used to think like everybody else. That the more money we have, the more the gospel will move. Then many years ago now, that's after that, the Holy Spirit helped me to correct it. He said, Bank is stop saying that. Stop thinking it. And I've not thought in a very long time. I know what God is saying. The more truth you have, the more the ability, the spiritual ability, the grace you have to talk, to preach the truth. The more I will spread my truth. And I will bring the resources necessary. The gospel does not ride on the wings of money. We used to say it. Gospel rides on the wings of money. It's not true. When God wants to move it, he said, I call the bed of prayer from afar and the man of my purpose from a distant country. God can call resources anytime he wants. That's why he doesn't beg anybody for money. When it's time for money to be used, money will come. Money will wake up by itself and find its way to the place where it is needed. There's no focus on money at all. Many times we do what is right, but it's for the wrong reason. And when we are doing that, what we are doing that we are packing the wrong spirit. We are blowing it inside. Just like that girl prophesying. These are servants of God. That is the ears of the congregation. Many people are in church. That's why I'm going to all of that. Serving God, but the, pro- the gospel is not progressing. Why? Their spirits are wrong. So you find a choir full of people who have come to pay for their sins. Anytime they sink, those who were sick become sicker. Those who were confused become even more confused. The sinner leaves the place hardened. Why? The choir is full of people who came to pay for their sins. And the pastor gets up to preach. He does not know why all his anointing has disappeared. And he doesn't have the boldness to sack the whole choir because they told this is the best choir in town. When he came over to take over the church. Look at their robes. Beautiful. When they do the whole place. They don't <laughs> look. It's not the quality of the voice that brings out the anointing. There are people who don't have that voice. They just get up. Praise the Lord. God is good. Everybody sing with me. God is good. Amen. You know, those kind of lookers. He has done for me. Oh, my soul. Rise up and praise the Lord. 
That is, they will sing the most local. But when they are singing, eh? Oh, the spirit, the God is good, they are saying, eh? The, before you know, the altar is filled with a cloud. <laughs> That's what we are talking about. People giving offerings. If you're a pastor, be careful. If anybody wants to give money and is hanging around, you say, but put the money in the basket, don't talk to me. Go away. Yeah, because, honestly, you will just use an evil spirit to cripple you. Use a manipulative spirit. You can't talk again. They are paying for their sins. And you are the, the priest that's collecting a bad offering. Strange fire being offered between you and the sinner. And you continue to receive it because you've never looked him in the face and said, oh boy, repent. Otherwise you likewise perish. Listen, go and read your Bible well. When God wants to judge, as iniquity of the seeker, so is iniquity of the prophet. Merges them together. Ices them together. The defense the pastor has is to just continually pour forth the truth of God. Tell people, that's the only defense you have. Back to the matter of Job. So God said, I need faithful people. That's what we talked about last time. I'm amplifying it again. Faithful people. People who serve God and there's nothing for them in it. There's one song we sing. I, I learned the song because it's been out for a long time, but I finally learned it, I think about last year or the year before. Okay, about two years ago I learned it. He said, I'll bring you more than a song, for the song in itself is not what you have required. Something like that. He said, I'm coming back to the heart of worship, where it is all about you. That song is anointed, is inspired, is a song for this season. What I'm talking about is what they call the heart of worship. Now, what is the heart of worship? The heart of true worship, it is all about you. It's all about you. It's not about my ability to sing. It's not about what I get at the end of worship. You say, what is worship? Anytime you have a need in your life, just begin to worship the Lord. And you begin to worship the Lord. And then the gates of heaven will just open and blessings will begin to pour. So people start worshiping, expecting blessings. They, they displease God with good worship. Oh, give, give. Because they're giving is good. And then every time you give, heaven opens and blessings begin to pour. Then people start giving, expecting the heavens to open that the blessing might pour. Then they spoil a good act with wrong expectation. This is the prophetic word I brought. That God is tired and he's sad. Oh, before, he blessed people. He said, I blessed people despite, not because. He said, but now I'm about to withhold the blessing if they do it again. Why? Because the blessing is causing confusion. I don't know whether I'm getting my point here. That the blessing is causing confusion. So God said, this is my word for this season. Anyone who wants to worship you, worship because worship is good and because I deserve to be worshipped. Worship and leave it there. Worship and go home. How was service today? It was good. Why was it good? The worship was received. Amen. Let's leave it there. I had one brother share this testimony. It sounded like a bad testimony, but it's a nice, you know, very illustrative. How many of us know this song? 
You are worthy to be glorified. You are worthy, Jehovah. You are worthy to be glorified. You are worthy, Lord. You know the song? I heard from him when he was preaching. That that song was composed by a woman in South, uh, in East Africa. In their local language. But it's caught fire all over the world. It's been translated to every language. We have it in English. And what happened? A disease broke out. And one woman got home one day, or woke up one day, and found that her child had got the disease. And they prayed for the child and everything, and the child died. Now, where the story normally goes is that the nurse sang, no. Said she just grabbed the child. And began to worship. What happened to that child? The story is not told. That's where I'm going. Nobody's telling the story. But in the midst of her pain, she wasn't asking God for anything. She just began to sing, you are worthy to be glorified. You are worthy. And she sang, everybody picked the song. It became a worship song worldwide. Listen, I don't know whether that child rose up from the dead or not, but that child's life has brought worship to all of us. How many times have you entered church and you heard that song? How did it come? A child died in the hands of the mother. And her response was not, God, where were you? We've been serving you all this while. What have you, what is it, what we get? <laughs> if she had done that, Satan would do God like this. Did I not tell you? Look at your children. Look at the kind of children that you have. That one, the child died, she picked the child and began to worship. And that worship spread all over the globe. And that's why you know the song. That's why you know the song. That's how I come by know the song. That's why everybody knows the song. It was not even a song in English. The song was not in English. Yet we know the song. It was a little boy, maybe the age of one or two or three. But let's assume that little boy was three years old. Three years of his life, he produced worship to God worldwide. That's not a useless life. Oh, that's not a useless life. That most certainly is not a useless life. So one day you meet the little boy in heaven. Have you, know, have you met before? Have you sung this song before? You say, yes, that was my song. That was what my life composed for the Lord. So God brought Job and said, let Job be an example of how Christians should live. And like I said before, everybody will have the test of Job. Something will, will fail in your life. If anybody makes it look like nothing has ever failed in their life, please forget that, you know. It's not true. Otherwise, their blessing is not from God. If nothing has ever failed in your life, your blessing is not from God. No, it's not. Oh, it's not. If you have never been critically disappointed, you are not yet blessed. Job, that's why God brought him up. He said, everybody learned that lesson. These are the faithful people I'm looking for. People that even, people that even if I killed them, they will still trust me. Are you getting my point? See, we have to make spiritual advancement. We have to. Christians must continually advance. Look, this gospel of give me, bless me, breakthrough for me, produce something for me, 
you know, we've seen enough from looking at John the Baptist that God may do something for people, but you know what? Eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. Neither has he entered into the heart of man. The thing that God has prepared for those who, who what? Those who do what? Who love him. Right? That is those, what God wants to do in the lives of those who really love him. They can't ask for it. I don't know whether I get my point. You know, in my little life, my wife and I, the other day, just a few days ago, we were just thinking about some things. Something led to it. I don't understand the boy with the gist now. And not to misdirect your mind. I said to her, you know, I said, you know, we never thought about these things. She said, it's true. I said, you know the kind of persons that God made us to be now? I said, yes, but look at what he prepared when we didn't know something was even there to be prepared. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Then you know the truth? Then it, it, it dawned on me again that, ah! What Jesus is just saying is this. What the Father is saying is that, why can't these people just trust me? Why are they so smart? Why do they know how to plan their lives like this and they don't know how to plan obedience? You know, <laughs> my wife and I sat down and we began to analyze. Listen, you can go anywhere you want to. If you want to go to North America, go. You know, go? If you want to go to South America, if you want to go to Venezuela, safe. They are fighting now on the border between Venezuela and is it Colombia or Brazil? Where's the fight? Brazil <laughs> on the border. You can go and join the fight. It's a free country. Hmm? You can. You can go anywhere you like. So I'm not here to fight anybody who wants to go somewhere. But you know, my wife and I sat down and analyzed the sacrifices we make sometimes to relocate to a safe environment. You see what I'm saying in a moment? Something led to it. Like I said, I can't give you all the gist now. I said, look at the sacrifices. You see a man that back in Nigeria is an architect. Say, so I see in America he's a barber. Nothing wrong with being a barber. Nothing wrong. No, 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 no. Nothing wrong with being a barber. I mean, it was wrong with being a barber. Except that he would never have barbed in Ogui Road. You see where I'm going? And when you ask him, you know what he'll say? It's temporary. As if those of us in barbing in Nigeria want to barb till we die. I don't know whether you are getting my point. <laughs> Why are you willing to bab in America? You can't bab in Enugu. You know the difference? A sense of hope. You've seen people take quality education, flick it through, fling it through the window. I said, Why do people endure? Is it not hope? I said, If these people had endured. Look, what I'm talking about all of these things is this. So, Baba God looks. And says, eh? That why do they have so much faith in their own ability to plan their future? And they can't rest in my hands. And like I said last time, you can't rest in God's hands except you are ready to die in His hands. And I said to him, God, if not die, kill me. I won't complain. And you're not joking, no. I won't complain. That you say like David, even though I'm a gatekeeper in the house of God, that is better for me than to dwell you know, in mansions anywhere else. Let's put it like that. Let me just be a gate. That is, you derive joy in gatekeeping for him. To you, that is more valuable than any other thing. Those are the kinds of people that God can use. 
it is unfortunate that many of us, you know, we hear people like David Oyedeko tell stories of those days. And when we start serving like they served, we start looking forward to flying private jets. And we miss the point. God said, I am not promising everybody that will serve me the way David Oedipo did in his youth, private jets in his old age. I'm not promising. Some of you, when you, I will take you to a place where you've never been, and you will never come back home, and your people will not know how you are faring over there. But there, you'll be serving my purpose. The Lord said, look, listen to this. A private jet is, a, is, a, is an instrument of transportation. It's not a sign of prosperity. It's nothing. It's just to get from one place to the other. So if you are not going from that place to the other place, I won't give you. And I don't want you to want it. Many of us don't know. Archbishop Benson is outside in his days. Twice they dashed in private jets. And he looked for those who needed it and gave to them. He said, what am I doing with it? He said, everywhere I go, I don't buy. People buy my tickets. I fly first class. Say, I don't, I don't, that is, let me add my own words. I don't have the itinerary that requires me to have a plane on standby. So it didn't take. The problem is many times that we have seen people that God released a kind of material blessing upon. We now think that is, we serve God into that. No. When my wife and I were talking, we're just talking about God's faithfulness. So she said something. Something led to it again. She said, ha, you don't know Jesus in this life. How are you surviving? <laughs> no, really, let me tell you the truth. If you see, look, look, look. I have seen things, though. bad things, I mean. I've seen all kinds of, the other day, Bishop and I were going through my phone. I was trying to show him something. I didn't know I photographed a specimen in my office. So the thing got to it. He said, what is it? I said, somebody's kidney. He said, okay, please remove it. I've seen horrible kidney. If you see it. And I've seen my colleagues preaching how to prevent it. And I don't participate in the prevention. N- not because I want to die. But because I also know that these prevention methods really don't work so well. Just that when somebody has nothing else to hold on to, you have to grapple at any, every bit of straw and string you find. So one day we were talking on my table in the house. Told my colleagues, me and my wife. I said, what do I do? I pray. And when I'm praying, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I really pray. I don't say for my future. Do you think I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment? I want tomorrow to come and I'll be poor and broke and hungry. No. I literally pray. That God, take care of that. And I know he will. He doesn't fail. He doesn't. So my wife said, those who don't know the Lord, so what do they do? What will they do now? I don't know what they're getting my point. How you for do? So I said to her, I said, no, the major problem is not even those who don't know the Lord, how they do now. Those who claim to know him, why didn't they just follow him tenaciously? Because he does not like half-following. And that is why a half, a, a Christian that's half-following may suffer more than the person that doesn't follow at all. Because he doesn't use, use the worldly method. But he does not tenaciously hold to the Jesus method. Actually, when I said that, I wanted to preach something today, that's what I wanted to preach. I will still preach it too. But it may not be today. But we must preach it. 
Tell your neighbor, follow hard. Please tell somebody here, say please now. Please, eh? Hold the person. Family, say please. Follow hard. Let me read this scripture and then we'll close with it. Book of Luke. It's the same one we know. Just want to read it for record purposes. Luke chapter 16. Let us, we know it, I will jump a few verses to save time. And he was saying also to disciples from verse 1, there was a rich man who had a manager, and this manager was reported to him as squandering his possessions. And he called him and said, what is this I hear about you? Give an accounting of your management, for you can no longer be manager. The manager said to himself, what shall I do? I am not strong enough to dig. I am ashamed to beg. I know what I shall do, so that when I am removed from the management, people will welcome me into their homes. And he summoned each one of his master's debtors. And he began saying to the first, How much do you owe my master? That one said a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, Take your bill and sit down and write fifty. And he said to another, How much do you owe? And he said a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. And his master praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. And I say to you, or am I saying to you, make friends for yourselves by means of the wealth of unrighteousness, so that when it, is, when it fails, they will receive you into eternal dwellings. Is that what I'm saying to you? Jesus said, no. This is what I'm saying to you. Verse 10. He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful in the use of which of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? He said, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, I've read that. I wanted to explain that again, even though we've done it before. But Jesus was not saying that we should go out and behave like the world. When he commended the unjust steward, he was not saying Christians should be like that. Anytime the Lord is using something, okay, and he's showing you a trait in it, be careful to know what he's saying. For example, he said, be wise as what? Serpents. He didn't say be tempting as serpents. Are you getting my point? He said be wise. There's a wisdom in the serpent to note. He said be harmless as what? Doves. He didn't say you should be like a dove in everything that you do. There is harmlessness as a trait in the dove that you're supposed to learn. In the same manner, this unrighteous steward, the Lord commended him. Why? Because he has, he has shown himself to be committed to the way of preserving his life. Are you getting my point? That even though things were looking rough, he remembered to put his head together and be committed to the way of preserving his life. He said that commitment is what the sons of light need. He said, what I have observed is that the sons of light, they are, they claim not to steal, but they don't serve faithfully. Because he who is faithful in little is the one that is faithful in much. He said, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust true riches to you? 
if you have not been faithful in the use of that which belongs to another, that is, this is the way it is. If I am trusting God for tomorrow to be great for me, I shouldn't focus on tomorrow. I should be dedicated in being faithful in today's assignment put into my hands. The message the Lord was given is that wherever you have found, be faithful. Follow totally. Caleb's life and strength was preserved for 45 years. He said, because I fully followed the Lord. That's what we are saying. We Christians must remember to fully follow. Not follow halfway. There's a way you follow and it seems good. You have seen from iniquity. Are you getting my point? That's half of following anyway. But there's another half of following which shows that your life is fully committed and you take sometimes what appears like risks because of your faith. It's not just about abstaining from iniquity. That's good. It's part of following. But there's a doggedness with which you follow faith in Jesus. So that if he says, don't worry about tomorrow, we really don't worry about it. We really don't worry. Let's talk money again as an example. When we are giving our offerings, if now I now clear my account in quote, and used to help people, help the gospel, do something. Why am I doing it? I have enough to eat today. What about tomorrow? Ah, don't worry about tomorrow. Is it that kind of attitude? Ah, don't worry about tomorrow. God will take care of tomorrow. And you are not saying it like a lazy and useless man. You know there are some people they are, they are irresponsible in everything. They will be hiding behind faith. I've told you people sometimes look for the word of God to hide behind, you know, to use it to camouflage their own personal fleshly weakness. Hmm? How you know somebody who's walking by faith and the one who's just careless is their diligence in the matters of today. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. What are you doing today? I teach in a school. The school is supposed to open by 8 o'clock. As a teacher, I'm supposed to be there at 7.20. I leave my house at 9 and get there at 9.30. When the principal says, why are you just coming? He says, why are you worried about tomorrow? <laughs> That is an irresponsible person. That's it. But the one that's not worried about tomorrow, 7, 10, 20, everybody be there. He's there, 7, 15. Class notes ready. His son is always ready. Improves his grammar every day. The knowledge of life. So it can impact to the students. But they're not paying you so much. This is the work of today. That is the person that's not worried about tomorrow. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Like I always tell young people, how do you know you are responsible? You must be known for something. People should be able to, that is, when they want to do something, eh? They call your name. It doesn't have to be something big. It can be who will arrange that hall for that wedding. And we are sure everything will be, they just say, okay, we have given so and so person. If the wedding is supposed to be at uh, 10, bride and groom will forget to come and check, knowing that the person they said they gave it to, no matter what happens, it will be ready. Do you get my point? I just advise people all the time. Just make sure that your name is attached to something that people need once in a while and they know you as the person to call. Then that's how you, you keep yourself in today, responsibly. And then God said, leave tomorrow to me. I'll take care of it. I just said this last thing to remind myself. Of what I wanted to preach, then I ended up preaching the other one, so that tomorrow, next time I come back, the Holy Spirit allows me, I will continue from this particular point. I hope you were blessed today.
Let's just give the Lord thanks for today. Say, Lord, thank you for the word. Let's give the Lord thanks. Say, Lord, thank you.